Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. I saw Dottie Rambo on a video the other day while I was in South Carolina. She is one of the many prolific songwriters of a generation that is fast fading away, unfortunately. Many of her songs were hits in their day, and I dare say that many souls were built up in their most holy faith. Many were snatched from going down the wrong road, and even others were snatched from an eternity lost without God and without Jesus, all because of Dottie Rambo's God-given talent to put words and music together that impacted men and women, boys and girls. The song she was singing in this video had a refrain that moved my heart once again. The gist of the message said that we have too much to gain to turn back now. Having set our hand to the plow, we should not even think of looking back. With heaven and our Lord Jesus calling us to be holy and his ambassadors to a lost and dying world, how can we contemplate returning to the lives that we left behind? If we truly understand that we are heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ to all the unbelievable treasures of the universe, the riches that belong to the King of Kings, how could it possibly cross our minds that we would be happy to return to our previous lives? As Dottie Rambo wrote, we have too much to gain to turn back now. Think about that. Perhaps you've already done so, I don't know, but if we remain close to our Lord, how can we ever want more beside? Come true. 
If we stay close to our Lord, how can we want more beside? The key word there is if, isn't it? If. The answer that we may give, in all honesty, is dependent on that if. If we are close to the Lord, then we certainly would not want anything more. If, however, if we have drifted away from him, if we have allowed our hearts to grow cold and we seek another love than his, then we will find that we are starved and wanting. The secret to contentment is to remain in the center of his will. We were created for him. He is our life. His love is shed abroad in our hearts. We have the peace that passes human understanding. Christ in us is the hope of glory. The Bible is full of promises and warnings along these lines. The message, clear and distinct. Remain in close communion with the Lord. Seek his face. Ask for his heart. Bask in his love. And we will not feel that we will ever want to seek another way. Drift away and his voice grows dim. And we may not hear it at all. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. I guess that writer knew what we are discussing. Dottie Rambo also knows. She probably speaks from experience too. Believe her, we have come too far to turn back now. Jesus, not the 
with this message for today, here is Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Greetings. At the close of his model prayer for his disciples, Jesus adds an addendum to explain the reason for the request he instructs them to make in their prayers. That request is stated in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12, and it says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, end of quote. Jesus then gives the reason for this in verses 14 and 15, which comes after the prayer is completed. And the reason is, and I quote now verses 14 and 15, for if you forgive men their transgressions, I want you to note the condition now. If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But, If you do not forgive men, that's the negation now, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. End of quote. Now, it is quite evident that Jesus puts an extremely high premium on forgiveness in the life of his disciples. In fact, forgiveness of others is made to be the basis for God's forgiveness toward the sinning believer in Christ. Jesus says, You cannot have one without the other. Now, this is really a startling and unfortunately much neglected truth among today's professing believers, disciples of Jesus Christ. But yet, Jesus says that fellowship with his Father, and of course with himself as well, is dependent upon our willingness to forgive those who have sinned against us in any way. Notice the text again, verse 12, I quote, Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, we are actually instructed to pray for our own forgiveness according to our own record in forgiving those who have sinned against us. In other words, Jesus is saying, when it comes to forgiveness, you cannot expect to get from your heavenly Father what you refuse to give to his children who live on earth your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, to make sure that his disciples understands this truth, Jesus reiterates the conditional nature of forgiveness very clearly and precisely. Notice again, I read the text. For if you forgive men the transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions, end of quote. So here is the principle or the big idea taught by Jesus in this passage. True forgiveness of others is forgiveness that mirrors or reflects our appreciation of God's forgiveness of our sins against him. This means, therefore, that genuine forgiveness is completely selfless in its motivation and intention and is an evidence of our love first toward God, then toward the one being forgiven. One is based on the other, and true forgiveness cannot leave out either of these. That's why the modern idea based on psychology today that we can forgive for our own benefit and well-being is entirely foreign to the true concept of biblical forgiveness. I'll speak more of this in a minute, but I must make another point right here. And that is 
that in this prayer for the disciples, Jesus is referring to requirements for forgiveness within the family of God, not to requirements for getting into the family of God. This is important. In other words, this has nothing to do with getting saved, but rather with how to live after you are saved. Jesus taught the same truth a little early in Matthew chapter 5 in the context of anger. This is what he says in verse 23 of that chapter. Quote, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. In other words, stop your worship. First, go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. End of quote. Now, here is the principle or big idea there. Fellowship with God the Father is dependent upon our ongoing fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And the mutual granting and receiving of forgiveness are essential ongoing aspects of this relationship. The Apostle Paul learned this lesson well, and it is reflected in his teaching to the Colossians in chapter 3, verses 12-15 of that epistle. Here is what those verses say, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12-15. Speaking to believers, he says, And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. End of quote. Now this is a high standard indeed, but it is our standard as disciples of Jesus Christ as true believers nonetheless. Jesus says we are to forgive as he forgives us. We are to forgive others the way he has forgiven us. Now exactly how was that? In fact, how is that? How did Christ forgive us and how does he continually forgive us? Well, actually, Paul tells us how in this passage itself. Notice how the passage begins. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, set apart and beloved by God. Now, that's the position of every believer in Christ. We have been selected, we have been sanctified, and we are beloved of God. Then he goes on to say, this is how those believers are to live. Put on. He goes on now to tell us what we are to do in order to reflect Christ's likeness in forgiving others. First, have a heart of compassion. In other words, be compassionate toward others. Kindness, be kind toward one another. Humility, be humble toward one another. Gentleness, be gentle toward one another. Patience. Be patience with and toward one another. And based on these virtues, these characteristics of the believer, while we are manifesting them, the apostle says, bearing with one another. In other words, putting up with one another's faults. Then he says, forgiving each other. Notice it's a mutual activity. Forgiving each other. 
Then he goes on to make it a little bit more specific. He says, forgiving whatever or whoever has a complaint against you. So this isn't just a general overall forgiveness. This has to do specifically with someone who has a problem with you, someone who has sinned against you, or vice versa. You have a problem with them or have sinned against them. Now, here's the standards set by Jesus Christ himself. Forgive just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. End of quote. Again, I say, how was that? How did the Lord forgive and continually forgives us? He does so compassionately, kindly, humbly, gently, patiently, putting up with our failures, our foolishness, and our frailty. And even when we are at odds with him, he still forgives us. That's exactly how we are to forgive others. Now, you might ask, is it really possible for us to forgive in this way? Of course it is, or else Jesus would not have commanded us to do it. And remember, he gives us what we need. He gives us the grace, the ability to do what he commands us to do. Now, in verse 14, we are given a motivation for this kind of forgiveness. This is what it says. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Now, a phrase beyond all things is best seen as meaning most importantly of all or top priority or on the top of the list. Put on love. Love is the wellspring, the source, the motivation, the basis for forgiveness. Love for God and love for his children. The first result or evidence, according to this passage, of genuine forgiveness is unity in the body of Christ. Paul says this unity is perfectly bonded together by love, love that is manifested in the spirit and activity of ongoing forgiveness toward those who sin against us. Another result, Paul says, is peace that rules or governs our heart. And still another is a spirit of thankfulness or a spirit of gratitude. Now, who are we to forgive in this way? The Bible is clear those who sin against us, but specifically those who sin against us who are members of the body of Christ. Christ came into the world to save sinners. He came to provide the basis for forgiveness for those who had sinned against him. But now when did or does he forgive us now? Only when we confess that we have sinned against him. Once that confession is made, his forgiveness is immediate and complete. John makes this clear in 1 John 1, 9. He says, if or when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, Jesus didn't ask for us to do penance or to guarantee that we wouldn't sin again before he forgave us. He forgave us immediately upon genuine confession. He also gave us willingly. He did not hesitate. He didn't say he had to think about it or pray about it before he forgave us. He also forgave us on the basis of the fact that he had already paid the penalty for our sin. Now, this is important because, in other words, whereas forgiveness for the sinner cost the sinner nothing, it cost Jesus his very life. He could only forgive me as a sinner because he paid the debt I owed. He took it upon himself, 
And friends, that's exactly what forgiveness is. That's exactly what genuine forgiveness is. Personally absorbing the debt or loss owed, thereby allowing the debtor to be forever free from that obligation. This is vitally important to understand. Now, linguistically speaking, the word forgive has two basic meanings in the New Testament. First, to let go or to free. And second, to cancel a debt. And so, to forgive means two things. To set free and to pay a debt. So literally, actually forgiveness means to set a debtor free of debt by paying the debt yourself. Let me repeat that. Forgiveness means to set a debtor free of debt by paying the debt yourself. Genuine biblical forgiveness always contains the essential element of bearing the penalty of the offense being forgiven. That's why Jesus' death is the basis for our forgiveness. He paid the debt himself. And so, my personal definition of forgiveness based on the word of God is forgiveness means to release a debtor from his or her debt to you by paying it yourself without any idea or demand for repayment in the future in any way whatsoever. Let me repeat that. Forgiveness means to release a debtor from his or her debt to you by paying it yourself without any idea or demand for repayment in the future in any way whatsoever. That's exactly how Christ forgave us. That's how he forgives us now. And that's exactly how we are to forgive others. He could only forgive because he paid the penalty for our sin. Now, we as a church had a beautiful illustration of this principle some years ago. We had taken out a mortgage for one of our buildings with a Christian businessman. After his death, one of his heirs notified us that she had forgiven us of the outstanding balance. Now, what did she mean by that? She meant that she had decided to absorb the outstanding balance herself. So we as a church was no longer obligated to her or her dad. The debt was settled. To verify this, she returned the mortgage with the words forgiven written across the front page. And to make it even more vivid, she wrote it in bold red letters. What an awesome illustration of how we were forgiven because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what forgiveness is in the spiritual realm also. The forgiver takes upon him or herself the debt owed by the forgivee. And I believe, my friends, that's the major reason why genuine forgiveness is so rare among believers today. Because it costs the forgiver more than it costs the one forgiven. But is it not a fact that we have an inbuilt conviction that if someone has wronged us, then that person has to pay for it in some way? That concept is completely foreign to the biblical concept of forgiveness, which means to cancel a debt by paying it yourself without any idea or demand for repayment in the future in any way whatsoever. That's how Jesus forgives us, and he wants us to do the same toward our brothers and sisters who sin against us. Next time, Lord willing, we'll look at some of the characteristics of forgiveness and why it is so rare among believers today. 
Until then, as always, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. Therefore evermore to stay. Great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and not toiling will. happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be in a moment Jesus Christ could come again